Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 is already taken, and happy hour is happening somewhere else. I get it. It's a bad dad joke. Fine. We'll accept that. Uh, This episode of the podcast was recorded on Friday, the 7th of May, and we brought back a very special guest. As you can guess by the title of the episode, Rick James has returned to tell us tales from the classroom. It's been a little over a year since the initial lockdowns took place in earnest, So it's interesting to see how our teachers and young kids are doing both in a virtual and physical learning environment. So without further ado, oh, and uh, this is a, this is going to be a two-parter, by the way. The first part will involve the actual goings-on in the classrooms, as told by Rick James. And in part two, our comic relief, Cognac, will rejoin us to discuss the philosophy of education. Enjoy! sucked into the environment which was really cool you, you never got a uh, VR headset for your phone? what's that you never got a vr headset for your phone no i never did that that's with like the oh. oculus rift or whatever right no no you can get these little enclosures uh htc vibe i think htc does it no 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 uh, where's my tickle trunk there it is your tickle trunk is that what you called it <laughs> Oh, you got one of those. Okay, cool. So these are like $4 at Princess Auto now. Um, oh, wow. What happens, my, my new phone's too big. I got a Samsung FE. I think it's too big. Let's try. Um, hey, hey, Rick James is here. Sorry, I uh, couldn't get my camera to work and then realized it plugged in. Hey, so. No worries, man. We're just shooting That's the shit. Power for the oh. course at this point. So. Oh, it does fit. We're just talking about VR. I just bought the PlayStation VR, and I was talking about how I was playing uh, Star Wars on it, uh, the Star Wars Squadrons, and how you feel like you're actually in the cockpit of an X-wing. Oh no way! Yeah, and Whiskey's uh, showing me. Uh, Whiskey's showing me his like. I guess you can get these VR headsets for your phones or whatever. It's just kind of cool. Oh, right on. Yeah, I haven't played with like any of that. It's uh... I I haven't either. I just started it up, and I was like, I was kind of on the fence about the whole thing. It's like, yeah, technology like is, it's kind of in its infancy, but you know, I thought I'd give it a try. Got some cash to spend. Why not? And uh, throw it in there. And like, honestly, this thing it takes me back. Like, there's a while there over the last couple of years where I was just like, I'm not really into Star Wars anymore because, well, the movies kind of did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the sequel trilogies, that's it. Um, but uh, but it's kind of funny, like, seeing this stuff. Like, I felt like a kid again. It was pretty crazy. Uh, oh, no, that's so cool. Oh, that is pretty cool. So that's with your phone. That's your phone. So now you have it, and there's a couple of lenses in here, and you adjust the lenses to make it perfect. Okay. So, so my kids, when my daughter has these on, she's like running into things and running around the, the house. Just, <laughs> oh my god! Because it would be like sen- sensory deprivation then too, right? Like because you get nothing in the peripheral. Yeah. Nothing in if, the peripheral. If you got nothing. headphones on, yeah. And then you oh, put the wow. noise canceling headphones on. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So, so one thing I had to do with my VR headset is, the other day. But, but this is just, you You just go YouTube 3D and there's tons of videos. Nice. 
So one oh. thing I had to do with my VR headset the other day was uh, my son uh, decided to take the controller from me. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, and as you move, as you move the phone, it knows where to go. Oh, that's cool. Oh my god! Isn't that wild? Shit, that's pretty. That's pretty wild. Jesus. So my Sorry. son took the controller from me while I had the VR headset on, and I'm sitting in the cockpit of an X-wing, flying around. And he's like, "I want to do it." <laughs> I had to like, I had to pick a fixed point with my vision on in the cockpit to prevent myself from getting dizzy and nauseous because he just kept spinning around <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> He's like, having fun in the spaceship? And I'm just like, yep, having fun in the spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> Turned into a vomit comet pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, not not as much fun. But they got some pretty cool pretty cool games that they got with uh with PlayStation with the uh the VR set. Like there's this platforming game I was trying out. I thought it was kind of kid friendly. It's called Moss. It's about a little rabbit that goes on a big adventure or something like that. But it's kind of cool because it's like Super Mario platforming. But it's all 3D, so you can kind of step in and like look around corners where the 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 little it's like a little mouse or something like that. Look around corners where the mouse needs to go. It's kind of it's pretty pretty wild. I never thought I would uh, <laughs> see shit like this in my lifetime. It's, it's amazing, like it, and it, it's kind of cool, like because the Wii sort of did this like ten or twelve years ago, right? Where it was like like just changed the playability of a game. So it like yeah. went, became like way more simple. Um, I don't know, like Hannah's brother's been goofing around with like, it's just like Sprite programming, but kind of the similar thing where it's like VR, but then like you can like go and play like Wolfenstein and all these like old nineties like yeah. shooters kind of thing. Um, but like you can program them like pretty easily now too. That's crazy. So cool. You can, yeah, it's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Speaking of virtual reality or <laughs> sitting behind a computer, how's teaching going? <laughs> Holy fuck. It's on it. This is going to sound like the worst thing ever, but like this has actually been like a pretty sweet gig for the year. Like I'm not going to really? lie. Oh yeah. Like it, um, and I won't, okay. I won't say that publicly, uh, but like, Man, so we talked like in the fall about like I was going to have this huge class and whatnot. Um, oh, sorry to interrupt. You you say we we you won't say that publicly. Do you want me to take that out? Oh no, I mean, and this is it, this is totally fine. Like, but oh, I, okay. I, I wouldn't because, I wouldn't say this to like my colleagues because they'll I lynch see. me. Right? I see. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Hopefully, they don't hear you on some sort of podcast uh, that's available on the internet. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I, 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 can, I can talk about it. Here, Max. Uh, it's okay. Our viewership is low enough. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Like, it's been um, – the, the, there are good, like, really good things about it that have been really enjoyable. And then there are things that are just like it, – it's, it's not a long-term solution. So, uh, like, we had talked in the fall about that, like, really big class I was going to have. Well – Kids got their timetables and saw like kind of like what school was going to look like for the fall. I had 14 kids in that class. That was it. Like 14 uh, kids on the list or 14 yeah. kids who attended? So I had 34 on my timetable the Friday before school was supposed to start. First day, I had 14 kids. Holy shit. So a whole bunch of them pulled the shoot and went to the went to online learning, like strictly online. Um, 
so like oh, it was crazy like the first couple of weeks like people were two weeks into teaching their courses and like got told by the principal like yeah they just folded your course you're gonna teach something new tomorrow like it was wow because uh, they had like they it messed with all the numbers and everything so it was quite a quite a gong show for the first bit um so i had like i ended up with a class of like 14 and a class of 12 for that first quadmaster like it was so i mean i'm not i can't complain about that uh, I had colleagues that had 34 kids in two classes uh, during that same time. So it was pretty nuts. But uh, yeah. And then it's like, man, if you can see where your tax dollars go, like, so yeah, the, because teachers only teach like six out of eight courses a year, um, you like we're doing this quadmester thing right now. So like you only teach three courses in a semester. So you do two in one quadmester. The next quadmester, you have like what we call a prep week and then a regular course that you teach. And during that prep week, uh, like you're you're basically like bathroom duty. Like you go and knock on a teacher's door and you're like, hey, do you need a break? You can give them an eight minute break or not. Or you can go and like supervise during lunch or study halls and stuff. But like you're, you're not teaching for those weeks. Okay. Um, and while we're doing online, like I just finished a prep week. There's nothing to supervise, right? So, I mean, I, I went into this. Everybody's at home. Yeah, everybody's at home. So, we still have special, special education classes that are running in the school. So, like, I went in one day and helped out in one of those classes to yeah. spell off the other teacher for their prep time. But, like, the other four days, I was literally, I had marking and then kind of well, sat I mean, at home. Like, honestly, that's got to be I wouldn't say that that's a bad system because people might listen to that and say, well, what the fuck are we paying for with our taxpayer dollars? It's like, no, I think that's actually a pretty good system to have a little bit of, uh, say, depth or, you know, some kind of a reserve that you would have in, in, in your teaching amongst all the teachers who are working, right? For sure. Especially like, dealing with our dumbass kids, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's just unfortunate that that's kind of the way the schedule panned out. Like, don't get me wrong to finish the year with a prep week. Like, yeah. Okay. I'm not, I'm not upset about it, but, uh, like I'm also then opposite week, I'm teaching a class of 34 kids and we're trying to cram a course in and like, I'm getting 34 assignments in on a Friday and then trying to race through them right for the next, uh, for the next week. So, so when it rains, it pours. Yeah. And there's no way to like, there's no way to schedule it so that there's like an even break so that like you got that prep every fourth day or something because they won't let the, with the cohorting, you can't, you can't have uh, like a day one, day two, day three kind of thing. It's gotta be yeah. strictly. And it's like, it's like militant in the hallways. It's crazy. Really? Like, yeah. Like if kids are in the hall, it's like, where are you going? Why are you in the hall? Because the problem they're running into is like kids go for like a walk as like, mm-hmm. as a class and take a break because you're sitting in class for two hours in the same room the entire day. And, uh, you get other kids that, you know, oh, there's their buddies. So they run over and they walk with their buddy for the, the walk around the school that they do. Well then yeah. one kid tests positive. So that shuts down that class, but then also shuts down the other class and then actually shuts down those two teachers and their other classes. So it's like this whole ripple effect of screwing Shit. things up. There was a day, I think before Christmas where I walked around, I walked to go get the school laptops and I, I basically have to walk around the whole upstairs and uh, there wasn't a single room that had more than 10 kids in it. Fuck. 
And it was just like, there were so many kids that were isolating so many kids that like parents took them out because they were getting ready for the Christmas holidays. So they wanted to go see grandma. So they pulled their kids out for two weeks. So, I mean, like it, it's been comical in, in seeing kind of like all the, like how one policy impacts another one, like these prep weeks and things like that. But um, in the same sense, like the actual like teaching has been kind of okay in that like I normally volunteer like probably ballpark like 200 hours a year coaching teams haven't had that so like yeah I've done school at two and I, I'm home with my daughter by 2 30 we're hanging out well that's so good we get that time um it's been kind of neat to like be able to focus on like the basics of school which is kind of a cool like it, it's sort of eliminated a lot of the background noise mm-hmm. um, that's interesting you talk about like cohorts and all that kind of stuff like kind of going back to what we were talking about in the last time we spoke uh, back in September. Um, like, it's funny you mentioned that. Would you say that, like, this uh, very regimented, very strict policy enforcement in the hallways, is this done to, is this done for actual protection or, or is this more of an optics thing? Oh, it's, it's optics for sure. <laughs> um, so it. yeah, yeah. It's like well, I mean, these. So where I am, uh, we were an area where like the variant. We we had one of the big variants of concern early on uh, in February, and I had a class of thirty four kids at the time, legit thirty four kids. Uh, and when we moved to this like hybrid thing where you're teaching in person classes and online classes simultaneously, which is like hilarious okay Um, so any day i could walk in and i could have 34 kids in class or i could have 10 kids in class and 24 online at the same time right so it's kind of bizarre um and that's what they've said now like everybody's doing next year but um it's optics like when they when we had all this going on like they're you know they're saying like uh, you have to distance like you know six six meet or sorry six feet might not be enough this is back in February when they weren't sure and whatnot about everything going on yeah. with the variants and everybody, like we'd have, you know, 15, 20 kids sitting in class and uh, everyone's got their masks off at lunch to eat. Right. And the kids don't yeah. go outside in the middle of winter. Cause it's minus 20 out. Yeah. So like, yes, there's like regimented screening, which is really, you go onto the website and you say, yes, I did my screening today and it's done. Yeah. Like that. That's it's, the, it, it's very it's all, Yeah. It's all bullshit. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, and I get it. I get it. Like I'm not to I'm not to say that we shouldn't take the the threat itself seriously. Not to say that we shouldn't, you know, and the fact that according to old Dougie Ford, the the there's been evidence of uh mutations happening in Ontario with this virus, right? Like I get it. Like this the threat is real. I'm not going to I'm not denying that. But there is a point at which I find when the policy gets enacted and it's, you know, basically it comes down to somebody comes up with a policy and it makes makes perfect sense to them they haven't you know they haven't really you know field tested it and whiskey you can probably attest to this kind of shit all the time uh and then you know people people at the bottom level who are actually being impacted by this you know if it gets delivered direct directly to them the rules may be simple enough for them to follow but I think what happens is it's that middle management piece that kind of gets in and fucks it all up. And then uh, it, it just, it, 
it dilutes or convolutes the whole process and then people at the top get angry people at the bottom start suffering and people within the middle are just like well what are we actually doing here you know teachers like yourselves and i don't know we 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 just saw we we just we just just saw rox's conservative side should we we (laughs) ram it down his throat for a little bit oh (laughs) settle down settle down <laughs> well, you know, just because you know, just because I speed a little doesn't mean I have to obey all the traffic laws because you know all the traffic laws are bullshit. And you're a safe driver, right? So like, it's okay when you speed. I would never. I, say I don't know. That. So, <laughs> you, you know, but just, just just you gotta you gotta you gotta watch. Uh, the, the 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 point I would be at is like the lunch shit time yes is it a is it a vulnerable area of vulnerability but when you have a, a, a list of risks this high you just sort of pick the ones as you go and you go okay well i can mitigate this risk this method i can re- mitigate this risk this one fuck uh we're screwed uh, like you know i have to feed them <laughs> so, totally what, I, I i gotta die faster from the virus you're gonna die faster from not eating let's let's just pick one here um, no i okay, I, I get so, that well, i understand that but it's just like it's like when you're sitting up at a restaurant you know it's like when you're going to a restaurant it's like we sit down at the table we're okay nobody's getting infected we can take our masks off as long as we're eating we're okay but if we have to get up to go potty we have to put that mask on and we're in the same fucking building it's the same thing going into airports Oh, everybody has to be six feet apart and has to wear their fucking masks. But as soon as you get on the airplane, we're going to cram everybody in the goddamn plane. And then we're going to put a mask on them. Like, okay, what are we doing here? It can't be both. And, and that's, I think, where the, where the breakdown happens is like, it, think about the last, like the last stay at home announcement, right? Where they announced like, these are the things and, and they're like, what, like police are going to start carting basically. And at these random right. times and then. The police forces stepped out and said, "Like, well, we're not doing that." And then there's no, you know, within, yeah, yeah. Within 12 hours, they rescinded the the playground stuff. And so I, I think when when that starts to happen, like people start pointing and like, well, and, and as you're saying, like the airports and you know, like kids have to eat at lunch. So there's all these different, you know, we need to follow the rules except for A, B, and C. Then I think people that's when they start to take their leeway and. That was kind of what I was hinting at the last time we recorded there, Rick, is like, that was kind of what I was like, it all sounds well and good. And it's a valiant effort on the behalf of government to show that they're doing something to make some kind of a decision to, to try and put in some kind of processes to help, you know, navigate through this very, like we said, we're a year in, it's still just as unprecedented as it was a year ago. We're just we're we got, we're hitting new waters every time, every month, every quarter it seems. But when when it comes to the actual um, the actual implementation of policy, I know for a fact that it's not being like it, it can't. And I, it's it's through no fault of the people who are making decisions. It is through no fault of their own. No matter what decision they make, that X factor that we talked about last time we recorded, the X factor will fuck it up every time. And that's okay. So so what? So from my point of view, all you have to do is just start oh, implementing oh, more oh, oh. acceptance of risk. Allow people to assume their own risk at their no. own individual level. No? Oh, Whiskey, tell me. Doesn't work. Educate me. Doesn't work. Me. Hurt, doesn't work with, does not work in herd immunity. It does not work in a 
in a community health situation. Okay. Otherwise, we're all going to walk around in South Park and we'll go playing Ookie Mouth and spit in each other's face. Um, but that's exactly what we would do. Like, <laughs> like come on. So, so okay, so there, okay, there, fair point. One. But then that is up to the, that is up to businesses oh, no, and no, institutions no, 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 no. to. Uh, is it? Go ahead. It's not. It's because you can be you can unknowingly be a carrier. And if you look what happened in India right now, that's the wrong way to go. When India okay. is turning out, listen, okay, India does not have enough, enough oxygen to send the, you know, the 500 people a year. They go to climb Mount Everest. They can't afford the oxygen to, to sell so they can, they can uh, put people up mountains anymore because their health system is so drained that people are dying. There are people on social media in India right now desperately pleading for someone to give them some oxygen or bed. So, okay, but you know okay. what? In January, India's numbers are my low, argument. so they said the pandemic over. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the other, the, the one thing that I'll, I'll have right now is Doug Ford made it a uh, um, a political ad uh, made it political about how bad he's doing, and he's attacking other people to blame him for what he's done. Um. So, like, the, the, I understand the balance between economy and, and public health measures. Okay, they're both important. There's, and you heard me before say before that there's no perfect plan. But if we don't all follow the, the the mediocre plan, we can't tweak it to improve it. But when you say playgrounds yeah. are good, but skateboard, you're handing out fines for skateboarding parks. I think there are some issues, especially when they're 800 bucks. You know, yeah. 800 bucks, you can't ask for a season pass. Um, like, it's, it, 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 it's, it's interesting. Like, are your criticisms valid? Yes, they are. Um, but when you're in middle of management, it, it, you can, there, there's always this balance of, you know, mediocre plan and incremental improvement, hearing feedback. But if everybody says, fuck it, I'm not listening to anything you say because I don't believe in this one little aspect. Well, then there's no management. Everybody's just going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> so, I, but I, I, I hear what you guys are saying. Yeah, and I, I, on that point, like I, I think what makes us especially like, in Canada, you guys say you're in Canada, right, on this? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so at, as Canadians, uh, when we're dealing with like the pandemic as well, I think the fact that we work on like a very underfunded universal healthcare system is also that like we can't rely on the herd immunity side of it because we're seeing that right now, right? With Underfunded? IC- it's like half our tax dollars, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but it... <laughs> It's I'm crazy just being when, flippant. Oh, for, for sure. But like, so we have locally, I mean, as I'm sure you guys do locally, you probably have all these like freedom rallies and stuff going on um, with anti-maskers that are gathering and whatnot. And My wife just drove through one in Barry's Bay not long ago. Did she hit a few people on the way? Or? Uh, uh, she, <laughs> yeah, she had kids in the band, so it wasn't uh, appropriate at the time. She's good. She's good, good people. <laughs> She's a good lady. Uh, I, I, th- I think the challenge with it is, and, and it's been my question, because I've actually, like, in my own life, um, unbeknownst to me, I have an anti-masker walking amongst my social-ish circle. Uh, really? Yeah, and that's been delicate to navigate. Um, because I didn't realize like what a follow 
and toe the company line hard ass I, I really was about this until that became apparent to me. Um, and we kind of have like a pseudo business um, relationship in, in um, it's sort of an exec we serve on. I don't want to share too much info about it, but um, I, essentially I've realized like how, how it really changes my, my interaction with this individual. And my, what, what I really want to come out and ask this person is like, okay, so you don't want to wear a mask. You, um, you know, you go to these rallies and whatnot, but if you contract COVID or your spouse does, or your kids do, would you still take them to the hospital to receive treatment? If, if you're experiencing adverse symptoms and, I think if if they wouldn't, like if, if they would sort of waive that right, so to speak, because they're all about their rights, uh, if they would waive that right uh, for universal health care, then go fill your boots. But you can still, uh, as you know, a silent carrier, essentially, you can still impact somebody else and you're still putting that strain on the system. Right. And that's the part that I think, like I had some kids in class early on in the year and, you know, they're like, well, we, we should just do the herd immunity approach. And like, they're talking about Sweden and whatnot. I'm like, okay, cool. Like let's do herd immunity then. So whose grandma are we going to kill? Like, you know, like there's the odd case of like somebody in their thirties dying. So which teacher in here in their thirties can we kill? Like, who's it going to yeah. be? And they're like, Oh, well it's not I'm like, but that, that's literally what herd immunity is. Like, that's what you guys are going for. And like our deaths have dropped in this wave because like we've killed off a lot of the older people in our society and now the rest are vaccinated. Right. But yeah. It, it, that, so and I think that, that's the challenge. So so if you ever have that conversation, like you want to have that conversation with the kids again, I'll send you a picture of my kid. Okay. Um, did you know there's a, a respirator shortage right now? Okay. I didn't know. They, they, the hospitals have prioritized lists uh, of who gets could you Could you speak closer to your mic there, Whiskey? Sorry. Uh, so, uh, they probably The game probably went down. But um, they have prioritized list who gets it, okay? And so my daughter's is got kidney disease. Uh, she has she's got complex medical care, and the odds are she's not going to get a respirator. She gets sick, no one's going to help her. So I'll give you a picture of my daughter saying this person will not get help if she gets sick, and everybody around her can carry it, carry it and kill her and we won't be the wiser but she'll get tested for covid and the next person that and everybody around her um if you if you if you go through the whole exercise going well then i can i can test everybody around me who's got it and then they know the situation uh so then you're talking about basically manslaughter because it wasn't voluntary you 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 basically walked in infected somebody uh, exposing the risk. So, it, and this is not an unprecedented situation. So, if you look of all the risk of you know HIV, someone that who knows that they're infected or know that they're high risk and walking around and infecting other people, you could be charged with manslaughter. Like hmm. now, put that in conscience. You're, the fact you killed somebody and now you're going to go for manslaughter. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It. Yeah. How do you argue with that? Right. It's like funny it's, when you, you guys talk about people who um, argue about their rights. I, I find in my experience, anybody who argues till they're blue in the face about their rights, they tend to forget their own personal responsibilities in the matter as well. That's a big component of it. I don't know. I just find it. It's along the same type of class of people. 
I don't know. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> that's a fair assertion. Uh, I've I found that the best quote that I've sort of come across in in dealing with a lot of that sort of population uh, is, is that like, like the argument that you like your rights shouldn't have consequences for others. Like everybody chimes in about the charter, but that's literally like the other aspect of the charter is you have freedom to and freedom from. And that's, that's the right. part that I think a lot of people forget that yeah. you're, you're afforded these abilities to do what you do in our country and, uh, and have the freedom to, to do what you want to do for the most part. But can you drive through a red light? Like you can, but there are consequences to it. Right. And yeah. if you're caught doing it, then yeah, you, you face charges and, and move on. I think a lot of that sentiment sentiment comes from the Americans. To, if I'm honest here, it's like the idea of freedom of speech. We don't have freedom of speech laws in Canada, but at the same time, like the influence you can tell is still there. And even then the, the argument you've just made still stands. Freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequences when you do speak, when you do open your mouth, right? Like you, you have, you have the, it's not just the, it's not just the, um, the potential. You have the expectation that you will be challenged if you go out and spout thinking that you have that right. Yep. There have been a lot of nurses. Uh, My wife's a nurse and she's um, like come across, you know, um, friends of friends of friends kind of things that have you know been been involved in anti-masking rallies and things like that and they're you know or, or posts on instagram and stuff like that and, and they're nurses and they're talking you know going to places unmasked and so on and she knows people she hasn't done it herself but she knows people who have reported this to the ontario college of nurses and like they face discipline as a result because yeah. you're supposed to be upholding the this sort of pledge so to speak and and you're not a you know, you're not meeting those requirements. And so people are. Yeah, but snitches like, get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at this point, should should we like, I'm pretty sick of this. Are, are you sick of it? Like, I'm pretty sick of it. And, and that's the side of it is if we were maybe a little less kind about some of these things. Like, I mean, I, I see neighbors that are having a pool party and whatnot you know, last summer, obviously. And I'm like, okay, like we're not on board with that. I haven't seen, you know, um, I have friends, kids that are almost a year old now that I've literally seen through a window once uh, when they were born. And I'm like, I, I want to meet those kids. I want to, I want to spend time with my friends, but yeah. I'm not calling and, and, you know, snitching on neighbors, that kind of thing. But I know, would, no, would, I know, would I we, know. Would we be further along if we were? I don't know. Cause at this point, like, Oh, I think we would be, <sighs> I think we definitely would be if we had been a lot more, uh, it's, it's, tough to have this conversation without start getting into the finger pointing game and the blame game and all that kind of shit. But the, but the the bottom line is, it's like, yeah, we probably could have spent a little bit more time being a little bit more ruthless and a little bit more strict about lockdowns at the very beginning and maybe prevented this whole thing from getting the opportunity to, um, to grow and evolve and mutate as it has, as we've seen it. Um, maybe who knows? I mean, now that's in the past, there's nothing we can do about that. So what can we do now is, is going to be the, the next big question. Um, I don't know. We're, and we're still trying to figure Somebody it out. As we go. There. It's like, we're, yeah, go ahead. Whiskey. So like, let's not put hindsight and bias in here. Like we're, everybody's making the best decisions they think they can. Uh, some are put now ulterior motives 
anti-maskers got ulterior motives. They stopped the lockdown posters on people's front lawn. Um, they have motives. Uh, we, we only have the next decision to make. Okay. What if this was day one of the pandemic? Okay. And I just told you we have 3,000 cases. And it's spreading. In Ontario? And what we know oh, people about people would panic. In Ontario. Oh, they'd be looting. Like, what yeah. we know... No. And what we know is that it's not droplet anymore. It's aerosolized because the masks aren't working. Yeah. It, no, let's what take it. Let's do? take your what argument. You uh, let, let's take your argument even further. Let's go to the farthest extreme. It's killing kids. Yeah. If it was killing kids, we would have taken yeah. it. We would be taking it far more serious on day one of the of the of the pandemic. Hundred percent. Yeah, and a sick, besides a six year old in Idaho killing, you know, starting shooting at people. But anyways. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh about six-year-olds and shooting people, but it's it, it's interesting times. Uh, and just to give a segue for anything else that wants to come along. Uh, but the, the, <laughs> the point being is that like we're in the midst of the biggest public health crisis in several or maybe two generations. <clears throat> right? Our generation, generation yeah. before us, because the boomers didn't have to deal with this. So it's the great generation that had to deal with the other one, and they were young. Yeah, yeah. Um, so did they really have to do it? So really, it's three generations of people that actually had to deal with something like this. And when people started dying, they they didn't have the internet, they didn't have delivery like we do, they didn't have Amazon, they didn't have takeout like we do, uh, they didn't, they have, didn't cars. have cars the way that we do. <laughs> So you had, had to, to walk through three. He <laughs> had to walk three miles through a snowstorm to get and visit somebody. <laughs> Didn't have the internet. Um, so so yeah. so. But but the, when people started dying and they realized they couldn't stop it anymore, um, it, it, it people started having to do what they do. And you talk about the great generation. You think of the type of the things that shaped who they were, and that sense of duty that they had. You know. You know, when I talk to my, my grandparents, you know, uh, there'd be 110 right now that, um, like, they had a sense of duty. And my neighbor next door, she's she, she'll turn 100 this year. And she, like, when she talks about, she says about, like, this is just what we do. This is what I'm told to do. This is what I'll do. She doesn't wear a mask because she can't read. But anyways, um, and has the if if I die if I die uh, so it's so slightly on the boomer side of things, right. but you still see with the great generation this the sense of 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 pride of doing what's right. You know, you clean your yard, you cut your lawn because that is what's expected of you because that's what the community needs to thrive. That sense of loyalty to the to the to the community instead of the loyalty to the individual. So now you say you throw it back and say, okay, what if we had all these factors? What would you do now? The money isn't running dry. We are preparing for hyperinflation. You guys got to understand that too. The economy is, is, is destabilizing because what happens is there's two things that are going on. Production is a low, and you see that in the housing market right now, where wood mm -hmm. is now 10 times to almost 100 times what it used to be. So okay, value of houses is skyrocketing. Yeah. yeah, and demand's really high. We talked about the BC force last week, how they all burnt out. 
uh, sawmills yeah. are, cannot cut enough wood to, to keep up because they don't really have it. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, so there's the, just that one. You have there's not enough shipping containers anymore to ship the goods anywhere. So the backlog of everything. Try ordering patio furniture. Go online right now and try find me an Adirondack chair. Blue. I'll I'll do that later, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, okay. I believe you. <laughs> like, so everybody's everybody that's middle income that hasn't had to pay for gas, they got a discount on their insurance. Doesn't really need a new car. Hasn't had to do repairs or oil changes. Or now we're ripe with cash. So what we're we gonna do? So what are we gonna do when we leave this place? Like so you're gonna inflate fat, the market by a fat shirt. <laughs> so <laughs> there's two XL shirt. Yeah. So, like, there's going to be there's going to be hyperinflation, and you can read about it in uh, in the, I think it's the New York Times. Uh, there's a couple articles on. It. So that's that's a very very interesting warning that you're given there, whiskey. I, I like I think people need to hear more of that. So save your money. Don't when the stores start opening, uh, continue like you're in the pandemic. Only buy what you need, and wait till the inflation comes back. Because otherwise, you're going to be paying way too much uh, money for things. Well, yeah. because inflation has an interesting thing. So businesses need to borrow money in order to, to, to increase output and throughput. So just it is it's got a parallel between, you know, the uh, the dirty 30s. OK. Yeah. And then the recessions. So like there's, there's the parallels are there. Um, we're going to come out of this pandemic. We're going to spend. We want to reunite with everybody. Uh, enjoy the lot. The, the great the great lives that we have. Hopefully prohibition doesn't come back. Um. <laughs> well, we've learned how well that works. As soon as you make a decision <laughs> to outlaw anything, you create a black market. Yeah, and that increases demand. The best thing yeah. to do is tax the hell out of it. <laughs> That's right. So, going back to my thing, knowing what you know now, knowing what I just told you, what would you do differently? Well, I'd go and shit my pants if I could first. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, you a little, a little speechless over there. <laughs> oh my god, what would I do different? Yikes! My wife and I um, were expecting a kid in September. And oh, we, congratulations! Uh, oh, oh, thanks. Um, we we like hilariously though when we were like, ah, like yeah, we could start trying now. Like pandemic will be over by then. It'll be great, right? <laughs> Jesus, like wow. <laughs> uh, and I was laughing with some buddies. Um, a friend just had his birthday this week and last year, like, you know, people would get together in their cars and they do like a birthday parade. So, uh, we did a birthday parade and like decorated our cars. Like it was our, our buddy's fourth birthday and he was turned 34. Okay. Uh, and we were, we were laughing at how, um, and the reason why we did it was because his wife, uh, another kid on their street had his fourth birthday and like the guy, uh, my buddy is like, Oh, that's like pretty fun. She's like, Oh, okay. And so like arranged that for him, but we were laughing about how, <laughs> A year later, we're like, Jesus, like some stuff has changed kind of, but like, I'm, I remember like chatting with another buddy when we were waiting in a parking lot to do this. And we were saying like, oh yeah, like hopefully in the summer we'll be able to get together. Our kids will be able to play and stuff. And like, how ignorant was that? Like more than a year ago when we thought that, you know, things were going to be so different, but um, it's interesting too, to think about like whiskey. When you ask like, what would you do different? You go back to Spanish flu it went through four waves, right? 
And, and that was kind of right. what, what historians were talking about early on. They're like, hey, there are like different waves. Like there's going to be fatigue from distancing and so on. And it seemed so ridiculous at the time. And then, you know, initially it was going to be two weeks. This was all going to be over. It's going to be great. Uh, but it's funny, like we're in the middle of the third wave now and like a fourth wave. I can't see it being near like this one, right? Like there's going to be so many vaccinations and whatnot. I would hope. You never know. You never like, know how it mutates or whatever. Yeah. But, and that's the risk, right? Like, uh, <clears throat> And then summer's coming and. I yeah. Don't know. So and like things, things were pretty good last summer. Right. Like, I think so too. I think uh, people being able to get outside a little bit and get a little bit of that vitamin D, I think that was necessary. I think that's a big contributor. And obviously, you know, eating right, getting enough sleep, physical fitness, all those kinds of things. Those are things that you can help that you could do to help boost your immune system. Um, like, I'm sure those things may have had some sort of an impact on. I don't. I wouldn't say curbing the the uh, the continuance of the outbreak, but um, I, I, it couldn't have hurt. So yeah, and like COVID does not do well in sunlight, right? And so just like the fear factor, sheer factor of like over the summer, there's more daylight. People meet outside because it's warm. Like yeah. middle of February, a buddy and I Probably are like that we know his- that little fact. You know, it's like COVID doesn't yeah. do well in sunlight. It's like, well, I mean, if you stick me out with, you know, without sixty SPF, I don't do well in sunlight either. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I can think of like a buddy and I would, would do like a socially distanced beer like every week uh, in the summer. We'd sit on right. a deck and just like do our thing, shoot the shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tried that in the middle of February and in his garage and like froze our bags off. Like it was awful. And you know, like it would, we had a beer and we're like, okay, I gotta get out of here. Like it's so cold. And I wasn't going to go into his house kind of thing. Um, like we've got kids, we've lose whiskey. Yeah. We lost him. That's okay. Ah. He'll come back. Ah. Um, but yeah, like you just, you know, we're not going to, not going to risk that. And that's kind of the unfortunate side. Like even, you know, like um, we typically get together in, in December for some sort of a, a Christmas party with old friends. Yeah, and I haven't seen you like, in years, man. It's just right. it's good to see you. Absolutely. It's, it's great yeah. to chat. And like, I, I mean, it, it's it's so weird to think like last time we saw you, like uh, your little girl was, was like a, like an infant, like a yes. full blown newborn infant. And now she's a hobbit. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> and that that's the wild part. And and. I mean, in the, you know, if it were summer, like maybe you can get together and do a backyard thing, but like middle of winter, people are, they gotta be inside. Right. And that's the unfortunate part too, but. And that's where, where as far as we understand, obviously we're not scientists, but as far as we understand, that's where the virus spreads the most is when people are coot, you know, coot up inside, which is not good. Um, But that's why I kind of like, there was a lot of pushback on that whole not allowing playgrounds and all that kind of stuff kids can't go to playgrounds like well if you're gonna allow daycares to be open why the fuck don't let just let kids play on the fucking playgrounds like you know i don't know i go i oscillate back and forth between uh what do you call it uh the whole you can call you can accuse me of my conservative point of view I oscillate back and forth between that. It's just like questioning things, trying to apply some sort of critical thought while at the same time also trying to protect myself, protect my family, protect my kids, that kind of stuff. You know, like it's, it's, it's not easy. 
it's not easy because like you want to do the right thing, um, but you also don't want to be stupid. You don't want to be a fucking sheep and follow, just blindly follow rules, not knowing, or, or or even if you're a student of history, potentially knowing where they lead. Right. So you're kind of caught. You're, you're you're caught between a rock and a hard place, and it's always that 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 kind of mindset kind of fucks with you over time. Hundred percent, and just the, the the sheer fact uh, that, like, it you know, if you have a family, if you've got somebody you're living with, it's that chance to, like, you've at least got somebody. But imagine being on your own during this, like, holy fuck! I yeah, how do you how do you get through that? Right, like, sure, the first six months might be fun. Or yeah. the first six weeks, or the first six hours, but you got to build uh, a routine, man. Like, yeah, routine. We have a f- is- yeah, we we have a friend who uh, got out of a long, long relationship just before the pandemic set in. Good luck trying to meet people right now. Yeah, right. Like, uh, I, it's wild. Can you hear me at all? There we go. So odd. Um, so just just correct something. It, it, it's it's not sunlight that kills uh, kills uh, COVID. Is that there's more, a greater volume of air. So is yeah, that what so it is? what happens is is the probability of exp- let's say let's say you have uh, a whole volume of air and it's all divided into molecules. And outside, there's more of these molecules. So the probability that you're going to pick one. Um, of the, the infected molecules in sufficient quantity because there's, there's a quantity element to get infected. So there's uh, quantity of exposure plus um, duration of exposure that leads to an infe- a probability of infection. So there's probably one, probably two, probably So when three. you're in a house, you have recycled exactly. air, right? Usually there's a little and bit of recycled air. the second part is air. that air is okay. mostly static. Okay, so as you spit, yeah. you, there's a whole big arc. Okay, when you're outside, there's a wind current that pushes it along. So if you if you're looking if you're downwind from somebody and they're they're hacking and spitting, you're still going to have the same probability of sucking it up. And keep in mind, your mat. If- I wonder if we're going to get pulled off of uh, Spotify or any of these lists for giving out actual. <laughs> like you're be- you're talking about physics, really, not really about <laughs> virology or anything like that. It's it's what you're saying is making absolute sense. I'm just interested because like there's there's been people on like Facebook who've been pulled off or blocked or uh, like basically prevented from sharing anything on Facebook because they've said something that could remotely constitute a scientific I don't know fact about COVID. So so what, what we're what we're what, and so what, there's only a certain what set I'm of doing facts. is actually endorsing the public health measures. So. You can you can take it for what it is, um, and I, I, I do have train some training in this area, uh, so that's why I can tell you speak to the statistics. So th- that's cool. why there's there's a balance. So that's why. So now you have a 
countervailing, you have the protect health protection measures six feet away. So you're now increasing the air space between you. Plus you're wearing a mask. It's, you know, 50% effective. Uh, so, and, and it, what the masks do is they start absorbing the larger, uh, wet particles that come from your mouth. Okay. So it's filtering and protecting the incoming part, you know, reasonably well. So you, so you, you see a reduction. So you pair this with the, the equation said mm. probably infection with the probably of protection and you put the two, you have a reasonable amount, which, you know, kind of break down when you eat across them from the table from each other. But, you know, <laughs> it's it, but you're now in you have a one proximity exposure rather than a whole bunch of proximity exposures but um we we're okay interesting so more sense. than you probably wanted to know <laughs> i'm gonna kind of go back uh towards what we were talking about with teaching and that kind of thing um so the Economist, the newspaper we love to promote and talk about on this uh, podcast. Never heard uh, you mention it. Never, not once. Okay, that's good. Um, we're, we're not. Uh, we're shameless, and they're not even paying us to advertise. It's hilarious. Um, the Economist is doing a, a subscriber-only live digital event on the thirteenth of May. They said, "Join us for a discussion examining the impact of the COVID nineteen pandemic on education around the world." Subscribers will hear our panel discuss how different countries are handling the return of teaching and why the pandemic may lead to better schools in the future. There will be an opportunity to ask questions during the event, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, in Ontario, I mean, you were talking about getting back into the, into the classroom. You said half your students showed up. We had these uh, cohorts. I don't know if they were successful or not, but like from your experience, I think we've talked a little bit. I think we've kind of skirted around the the bush here, but just to kind of lay it out flat, what worked and what didn't. Um, do you mean in terms of like protecting public health measures or protecting education? Ooh, both. <laughs> so, I would say in terms of public health measures, like if you track, there's some great people on Twitter, there's some great statisticians and whatnot that sort of like lay out the daily and, and they sort of um, step away from like daily case counts and they look at like rates of reproduction and so on. So there's some pretty accurate stuff that's out there. Like it, it, guys that will sort of say like, I would expect, you know, we'll return to in-person learning on February, whatever. And like, that's the day it's announced. So returning, like, so there's some pretty accurate and like credible ones that are there in terms of like they've built the reputation for it. Uh, what's interesting is like there, a few things that they've shown is basically like whenever we return to school full bore uh, with all of the boards returning, you can you can watch the next wave start essentially. So uh, when we went back in September, that sort of launched the beginning of the second wave that like we didn't have school closures until close to December, but like the house was on fire at the beginning of December kind of thing. Right. Okay. Uh, and so we did all of January online and then like Thunder Bay kind of spiked, like a few areas kind of popped and were at remote learning. So the numbers were a bit fudged, but basically then we started with a start in February again, and it was a little bit shorter this time because we were sort of coming off the tail of a more recent wave. And then we're back to remote learning again. Right. So there, there's a correlation essentially between 
the date that we start in-person learning and when we're off again at sort of the peak of another wave, uh, anecdotally, at least. Um, and so what's interesting with that is our politicians have never admitted to a single case of transmission in school, right? They say it's all a case of it's happening. Kids are getting the transmissions in the community and then they're coming, like they're going home and infecting parents and so on. But like, but they haven't actually come out and said they're getting infected in the schools. They're transmitting it in the schools and bringing it home. Right. And, and they say there hasn't been a single case of that happening. Um, and I don't think that you could equivocally say that, but at the same time as a politician with an election coming in the next like 400 or so days, I don't know if you could turn around and say like, yeah, schools are a hot mess right now. Like it's actually really bad. So I, I, I get that side of it. Um, so I would say in terms of protecting public health measures, I think the correlation is when schools are open, parents look at it and say, well, my kid's eating lunch with 30 other kids. So fuck it. What's going to see grandma and grandpa on the weekend, right? Like why, yeah. why can't we get together and have some drinks with Susie down the road because our kids yeah. are in school? You get like a false sense of, I don't know, maybe it's a false sense of security. This thing ain't real. I, I don't know if that's true, but. Uh, I, yeah. I think like. I think you get down that road, right? Like it, I don't, don't get me wrong. I understand it. Uh, like that, that people sort of get wound up and listen, I can't imagine having, you know, like a couple of elementary school age kids home for remote learning all day while you're trying to do your job. Like, um, I sort of, we, we have the luxury and the absolute like appreciation of being able to send our daughter to daycare while I'm teaching from home. If I was trying to do like last spring, like teach from home with a toddler, I, I can't imagine what that would look like, right? Uh, it looks like a timeout um, chair in your office in the corner. That's what it looks like. <laughs> like actually, though, I, I don't know what else it would... Like, I, I tried last year. We um, When the pandemic set in, my daughter's first day at daycare after my wife's mat leave ended was the day they closed schools. So she went to daycare for two days, and then my wife and I talked about it. We said, we're not really comfortable sending her. Like, let's... Nobody knew what was going on, right? So... I just kept her home and our like online teaching was very different last spring. So we sort of worked it that I spent the weekends getting everything ready for the week. And then I would sort of like look after my daughter during the week and just like update my course pages and stuff. Cause it was all like, none of it was live teaching. Um, but yeah, like, so in, in terms of like the, the, how education's worked with public health guidelines, I think schools have literally been what's driving the next wave, to, to be honest. Um, look at the summer. The summer was great. And that like we were under like, in, for the most part, like under 100 cases a day. I can remember in September, my wife and I went to a golf tournament with some friends. It was all socially distanced. And we were like questioning if we should go because that week we had hit 400 cases twice. And we were like, mm, maybe we shouldn't. Like, like we were literally in our own golf cart socially distanced from another pair as we were playing. And we're like, maybe we shouldn't do this. Right. Um, it met public health guidelines and everything else, but that's kind of where we were in September. Fast forward to where we are now. Like, what would you do to have 400 cases a day? How great would that be? Right. Here, um, so, uh, so that's, I, I, oh, yeah, so, so, so I just want to put the, the math back into to what you're saying. So this is kind of interesting. So in one instances, we, we talked about the probability exposure volume of air in that one instance, okay, plus the mass. So that we, put a, we put big parentheses around it. And then you have another encounter 
you put a plus sign and then you add them. And then the next encounter, you put a plus sign and then you add them. And then, so if you're at a golf tournament, you have that low probability, but you have all these encounters. So, and then you have all these encounters and then you say, how many people are there? So that's why. Are you talking about statistics? Yes, I'm sorry to hurt your brain. Don't bring okay. facts into this. So, but that's, yeah. that's the interesting thing. That's not how it works, yeah. is it? So that's why they say that's why they that's why they took the group size. The group size starts to matter then. Don't you go back to zero after every encounter? Only if you're an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 the probability increases despite the fact that you've changed environments. Increases entirely. almost exponentially. So if you think about the, the more people you have, the the bigger mm. the thing. That's why they talk about group size. So you put your dot. So your kid was your exact. So, no, your, so no, degenerate no. gamblers have a point, is what you're saying? Yes. No, they don't, because degenerate gamblers are usually losers. <laughs> it's because they, they, every time you play your hand, the probability of you losing more money increases in an additive fashion. <laughs> Ah, okay. So it's an inverse so, so watch relationship. This. You send your kid to school. I'm trying to use mathematical terms. So you put your kid in school, they have those experiences, which are all additive. And then you send them to school, uh, uh, Susie's house down the street, and then you add another plus sign, and you add all her experiences in there. It becomes that little that se that's, uh, sexually transmitted disease pie chart where you try and figure out where everything is. <laughs> Jesus, Whiskey, we want them to come back on the show. Don't scare them away. Here, so, so let's switch the gears a bit. Let's talk about COVID projects. Well, he ha he was still oh, finishing his story. <laughs> I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Rick. Uh, no, so that's all I got for the, the public health stuff. Um, oh, okay. if, if, if you want me to take you down, like, what what the actual teaching looks like, that's yeah. a little... Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. All right. So I'll keep it quick. Um, I just finished two courses. Uh, I taught a, a 12U, 34 kids in it, uh, super engaged kids, like half were online, half were in person, sort of. It was it was weird, but um, super just so engaged kids. This, just so that this, this can be a little bit standalone, uh, you teach high school. So for the uneducated, yeah. 12U is like that's 12th grade, university level. Okay. Yeah. These, these are kids that will be in university in the fall kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So 12U elective course. So like these kids picked it. They want to be in it. They're in theory, like your best and brightest kind of thing in your school. Uh, then on my opposite week, I had a grade nine applied class. So applied is uh, college preparation. Uh, and these are kids that are in college preparation, but then also missed like a third of their grade eight year, right? Which is like their consolidation portion where you're getting everything sort of like consolidating all those skills to get ready for high school. So crazy drastic differences. Uh, I go from like a class with, I, there, there's a kid in that class that has published his own novel already at 17 years old. And, oh, then, and then I go to a, a, a course where like, I'm literally teaching, hey, like a sentence starts with a capital letter and it ends with a period. And like, you have to have that, like, that's a rule. Wow. Um, and, and nice kids, uh, but that's kind of the, the difference we're dealing with, right? So I go to that 12U class, this hybrid model where it's like half online, half in person. Um, you're sort of like on, on the very webcam I'm using at the moment. Um, 
sort of filming myself teaching the class to the in-person kids. And then I have to like stop my lesson, jump over to the online virtual class and be like, hey, does anybody have any questions? Do you have like put something in the chat, like raise your hand if you understand what's going on. And it it worked well for those kids. Uh, you, you flip over to the grade nine group, right? These kids are 13, 14 years old. And we did not have a passing class average until the final day of the course Holy in that class. Shit. Uh, because where's the accountability, right? We have kids that log in at eight o'clock in the morning and they say, yeah, I'm here. And then they're logged in. Can't be a school rule that they have to have a camera on. You're not allowed to do that. So really, you're not allowed to do that. Oh man. Some of these, I mean, it wouldn't make a difference because they'll just pull an Eric Carpenter and put a photo of themselves (laughs) in front of the fucking camera anyway. Dude. The, the stories I could tell you about some of the, the kids oh, and the, their learning environments. The stories. Well, I, I, I got an idea, I got an Honestly, idea for you. Uh, um, I, I, have you tried Kahoot it? Yep. As, yeah. That's yeah. I, I, I find that tool is perfect for trying to keep to see if people are engaged. What What well, is it, that? I'll, I'll let... It's kind of like an online like Jackbox style game you can make. Um, but kids can log in with their phone and play it and you can like share it in real time. Okay. Uh, so like they've, they've got to be at computer to be able to like complete it kind of thing. Right. Uh, but it's interesting because like you get some kids that are are working so hard. Like, um, I had a student who, when, when the lockdown started in January, uh, couldn't get a hold of them for a couple of days. Like we, when they moved to remote learning, we try to get in touch with kids and like, Hey, like, do you have a laptop? Do you have Wi-Fi at home? Uh, that kind of thing. Cause like we have kids trying to do like four hours of class a day on a phone, right. Using their mom's data plan kind of thing. Oh like, well, man, that's terrible. Well, the school will provide a Chromebook. The school has like Wi-Fi hubs and stuff like that, that they can get to them. So we try to get in touch with them. Well, there's, there's one kid I get in touch with eventually. Uh, he, he just drops into my virtual class the one day and he's like, Hey, um, I'm on my cousin's computer. I'm living in Toronto right now because my brother is an essential worker at like a really at risk factory. So like his parents don't live in Canada. So his brother shipped him to his cousin's house in Toronto. And he's like huddled basically like in their mudroom at the front of their house, trying to do online school. And the only way he could log in was he borrowed his cousin's computer from the Toronto district school board to like log in to let me know that he was going to try to use her computer when she was on breaks from her classes. And so I was like, we can get you something. Yeah. And like our vice principal, like good guy, I got him in touch with him. And like, I think they FedExed a Chromebook to him in like a day. Nice. And so this kid was able to log in. They gave him a Wi-Fi router, the whole deal. Um, But then like where he's sitting, like their smoke detector is chirping because the battery's low. I taught the kid online for three weeks. That chirp was there every single day for three weeks. And, and and like, so that's like, this kid's trying to sleep in that house with this thing going on, but like nobody changed the effing thing. man. Right. And I can hear in the background, there's like, there's an infant and there's obviously like a cousin who's in high school. And like, I don't know how many people are living in this house, but I cannot imagine how hard this kid is trying to get his freaking credit uh, with all the stuff going on. Right. Isn't that crazy? Like, like that, 
you used to hear about the stories, like the anecdotal stories about teachers who, you know, they build a relationship with a student. And, you know, you've seen movies about it and the students going through hard times. But it's like you guys, this pandemic for whatever, however it's come about, has revealed a little bit more of that where you get kind of just an in-depth uh, like a, a peek, a peekaboo inside the actual kid's house and see what oh. the fuck's actually going on. That's, that's gotta be something else. It's it. That's the, the, the draining part. Like it's, it's emotionally draining and then it's, yeah. it's hard because like for the most part, kids have their mics muted and whatnot, but like he's, he's also one of the kids that would contribute in class. Like can actually like say something. He's actually online. trying. Yeah. That's a, and that's man, that's tough. It, it's wild. And so there, there's a kid that like submits a subpar assignment and does he get a better mark and like end up getting the credit when maybe he probably didn't quite earn it? Sure. But like what's earning the credit at this point in pandemic learning, right? Like, exactly. is, it, is it meeting all the expectations or is it like, well, he logged in every day and, and, and did his best. And he participated that yeah. alone, that got yeah. that has to count for something. Yeah. It and could have made every excuse in the book, right? I have another student who like she moved easily four times in in the span of the, the course that I taught her. Uh, and I got an email like the final week, like, hey, we're moving again. I don't I, I won't have internet. F- yeah. Um, like really precarious housing. Like I, she and her mom, I think, were couch surfing. Like they were mm. a bunch of different towns they were in. Like they they were in a rough spot. And the kids doing her best, right? Like she's submitting assignments like three in the morning because that's when she's able to do them uh, with what, whatever else is going on. So again, when she emails and says, Hey, like I, I'm not going to be able to submit these last three assignments. Is she getting the credit? Like for sure she is. Yeah. Right. Um, and then that's, I think the, the part I said, I'd keep it short and I didn't, but uh, that's no, the part. No, like, this is good stuff, man. When we're talking about like the quality of education that's going on right now, like, it's comical like it is that bad um, eh? we're we're doing what we can right but like how do you how do you fail a kid that's dealing with these things right so i know you you can't you can't fail them but in the other sense well i mean like you you technically can but you in your conscience you're like no like they've they've put in the effort so you're going to use professional judgment and advance them but we're getting to a point that like we're going to have kids that have missed two years of like quality, like we're supposed to be delivering 110 hour courses. Right. And right now we're, we're delivering like a modified 70 hours at best. Right. Um, and I mean, we're still, we're getting teachers that are trying to take 110 hours and compress that into 70 hours and force it on the kids. Um, and, and in some regards, like if you're teaching 12 U physics, trying to get kids ready for next year, do you, do you overload them? Do you cut out a vital unit? Right. Um, that's with like STEM. I think that's hard to do. I teach English. So can I shave out a play and a couple of stories? hundred percent. Right. But for some courses, it doesn't lend that flexibility either. So, so, so what, what, just putting numbers back into things. Um, since that's our theme of the show or my theme of the show, I guess. Um, so in, in March, we added 305,000 jobs. By April, by the end of April, when we went back into lockdown, we shed, uh, was it 300 or sorry, 207,000 jobs in Canada. 
So what you're seeing is, is what was your first number? Three hundred something. Sorry, I, I would have to click back here. So click stats cam reports. We no, added three hundred seventy-one thousand jobs in March. Oh, that was unemployment. Yeah. Uh, so employment in retail rose ninety-five thousand. So we rose ninety-five thousand in March, and then we lost two hundred seven thousand in April. So. What you're seeing observationally is is it actually the symptom of that job loss. Precarious housing is is one of those subsets. Plus, we have the, the that housing de- that increased housing demand that we talked about, which is raising rents. Uh, so people are in that in that in that situation where uh, housing and that stability you would have with um, uh, with that is 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 is, 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 is very sad and troubling. Um, but is, is there like how are we fixing it? And that's the better question. And all I want to do is boogaloo. Hey! I looked in the mirror, I saw my wife and kids. And you know what they told me? I was great. Alright, three out of four Beatles down. The song you're listening to is I'm the Greatest by not even the best drummer in the band, Richard Starkey, better known to most as Ringo Starr. Fun fact, this tune was actually written by John Lennon, which is in keeping with Lennon's candid and flippant comment about Ringo not being the best drummer in the Beatles. Not to say that Starr can't write good tunes, in fact... George Harrison, when talking about Ringo's at-the-time second-ever writing credit, uh, Octopus's Garden, was complimented uh, by George. Sorry, George Harrison complimented Ringo by saying, Ringo writes cosmic songs without even realizing it. All right, music history lesson over. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of whiskey and rocks, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can help us out even more if you spread the word and share us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We are at Whiskey and Rocks 1, as in the number one. All links are in the description. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for more Whiskey and Rocks.